Welcome to Espresso Prime, a podcast all about primes, short enough to listen to while you enjoy your cup of coffee. Hello, hello. Welcome to a new episode of Espresso Crime. Today's podcast is all about crimes in Iowa and Kentucky. We have the first non-murder victim of an agent of the FBI, the deadliest mass shooting in Kentucky's history, the youngest known killer in U.S. history, and so many more. So let's get into it with first on the list, who is Gaino Gilbert Smith. He was born January 23rd, 1939. He lived in Denver, but he did have some problems there, so he moved to Iowa to live with his stepmother, who he then had more problems with, so he moved to live with his Uncle Andrew. On May 27th, 1962, he murdered his Uncle Andrew and and their three kids. Following the murder of the family of five, he went into hiding and was found four days later. After being arrested, he confessed to the crime along with confessing to having murdered his stepmother, who he did briefly live with, and she had been missing for several months. At the time, Iowa still had capital punishment and prosecutors wanted Smith hanged. It was taken to trial and left up to the judge. Smith died in prison in May 2005. Next on the list is Robert Sprangler. He was born January 10th, 1933 in Iowa and was a serial killer who murdered his first wife, son, daughter, and then his third wife as well. Then murdered his second wife after they got back together. Next on the list is Robert Spangler. He was born January 10th, 1933 in Iowa and was a serial killer. On the morning of December 30th, 1978, he lured his wife Nancy into the basement with a promise of a surprise. Here, he shot her in the head with a revolver. Literally zero stars for that surprise. Going upstairs, he made matters even worse. This is when he shot his two teenage children, Susan and David. David was there slowly dying, so he smothered him with a pillow. He then altered the scene to make it look like his wife had shot their children and then killed herself. That makes it even worse. Fast forward to April 11th, 1993. This was during his uh, third marriage to a 58-year-old. Things went south, literally. He took her hiking in the Grand Canyon and pushed her off a 140-foot drop. This killed her. That is a just awful person. And on to the next case, another Robert, Robert Benjamin Rhodes. He was born November 22nd, 1945. He's also known as the truck stop killer. He's an American serial killer and rapist. In 1994, he was convicted of first degree murder and was slated to be tried for two more before charges were dropped due to the wishes of victims' families. He's additionally suspected of torturing, raping, and killing more than 50 women between 1975 and 1990 based on data about his truck routes and women who went missing during those years and that they matched the profile of his preferred victims. At the time he was caught, he claimed to have engaged in these activities for 15 years. And now for some unsolved cases in Iowa. So we're going back to June 1912. The Moore family came home from a church event. They put their kids to bed and then they went to sleep. The family was Josiah, his wife Sarah. They had four children and then there were two children that were spending the night. They did not survive the night. They were found in the morning murdered in cold blood with an axe that belonged to Josiah. Several people were tried for the crime, but they were found not guilty. To this day, it's still a mystery. The house and crime scene is supposed to be haunted now and the current owner rents it out for people to stay the night in. Not really my idea of an Airbnb. Next is Jody Husinet. She was a well-known and well-liked anchorwoman for a TV station in Iowa. On the morning of June 27th, 19th, 
1995, she was supposed to report to work at 4 a.m., but she slept in. A co-worker called her to wake her up, and she left her home shortly after, but Jody never showed up to work. A co-worker went to her apartment and found some of her belongings scattered around her car. It appeared that a struggle did take place, and her whereabouts were unknown. Jody had no known enemies, so police thought it may have been likely that an obsessed viewer was responsible for her completely vanishing. No trace of her was ever found, though, and her case remains unsolved. She was declared legally dead in 2001. The last unsolved case for Iowa is in September 1925. This is when Myrtle Cook was shot dead in her Iowa home. This was a few days after she published a name of suspected bootleggers. She was sitting in a window seat and was rehearsing a speech when an unknown person shot her through the heart. To this day, her death remains a mystery, though many do believe it was one of the bootleggers she attempted to expose. And now on to crimes in Kentucky with the first Kentucky crime on the list being the Beauchamp Sharp tragedy. As a young lawyer, Jeremy Beauchamp had been an admirer of Kentucky legislator Solomon Sharp. This stopped though when Sharp allegedly followed an illegitimate child with Anna Cook, though Sharp denied it completely. Later on, Beauchamp did begin a relationship with Anna Cook and Cook did agree to marry him, but on one very big condition, he had to kill Sharp. So Beauchamp and Cook did get married and a few months later Beauchamp murdered Sharp at his home in Frankfort, Kentucky. Wow. On to the second on the list here is the murder of William Butler. This was also an early example of a school shooting and this took place in Louisville, Kentucky in 1853. So William Butler was a 28-year-old father, husband, and teacher who started a school that um, attracted very wealthy families. But William Butler was definitely a very strict person and a very strict teacher. So on November 1st, 1853, William Ward brought chestnuts into the classroom. This went against the school's rules. He brought them in during a five-minute recess before Butler's French class and handed the nuts to other boys during the class. Butler noticed the shells after class and asked who had eaten them. Ward admitted bringing them in, said he had given them out before the class, but denied eating any during class. Butler punished one student for eating during class, but did not punish a second because the, the one who did so was new and he didn't know that rules went against the school's policy. Butler accused Ward of eating the chestnuts in class, which of course Ward denied, and then Butler then accused him of being a liar and administered a whipping. Following this, William Ward went home. His parents were out of town, so he told his older brother what had happened. The next morning, his parents returned. The brother told his father that he was going down to the school, and the father offered to go as well. About 9.30 a.m., a Ward family slave arrived at the school to collect their school books and the fourth brother. Half an hour later, the other three brothers arrived at the school, and this is when the brother... Um, Matthews, who was the one that Ward initially told, and Butler fought. During the fight, Matthews pulled out his pistol and shot Butler. The father took out his, his knife and waved it at the other boys and the other teacher. The brothers left. The father did briefly go back to grab the gun. Students attempted to help Butler to his home, though he was so ill that they could not bring him that far and brought him to a relative and then called a doctor. Butler died the next morning. The sheriff arrested both the brother Matthews and the father. 
third on the list took place on May 18, 1929. A six-year-old boy named Carl and a seven- or eight-year-old boy named Cecil were looking for scrap metal to sell. Carl found a piece and Cecil was jealous. He slapped Carl and took the metal piece. Six-year-old Carl ran home crying. He got up on a chair and he grabbed his father's gun. With a gun in hand, he came back uh, running and yelling, I'm going to shoot you. This is when he became known as the youngest killer in the U.S. Seven days later, he went on trial for killing Cecil. There he was sentenced to 15 years in reform school and was released on a $500 bail. Fourth on the list is the Trinity Murders, which took place in Louisville, Kentucky on September 29, 1984. This is when Victor Dwayne Taylor and George Ellis Wade kidnapped and murdered two 17-year-old Trinity High School students, Scott Nelson and Richard Stevenson. Taylor was sentenced to death and Wade was sentenced to life imprisonment. This is a crazy list. Fifth on the list is the Standard Gravereau shooting, which happened on September 14, 1989 in Louisville. So this is when Joseph T. Westbecker, who was a 47-year-old, killed eight people and injured 12 at his former workplace. And then he committed suicide. This shooting is the deadliest mass shooting in Kentucky's history. Six on the list is Susan Smith, and she was an American FBI informant. She was strangled by her handler and lover, Agent Mark Putnam. Smith is the first known murder victim of an agent of the FBI. Six on the list is a very sad case, and it does actually remain unsolved. So Crystal Marie Rogers went missing on July 3rd, 2015. At the time of her disappearance, the 35-year-old mother of five was living with her boyfriend and their five kids so her boyfriend was the last person to have seen her he said that she was on her phone playing games when he saw her before going to bed and then when he woke up in the morning her car was gone and so was she her family did become very worried after they tried to call or contact her that day two days later on july 5th her car was found parked with a flat tire and the keys were still in the ignition and her purse and cell phone were also found inside she was officially reporting missing by her mother that day so her family has been very vocal about their suspicion of the boyfriend having some sort of involvement in her case since very early on on july 8th he was brought in the boyfriend was brought in for questioning and the boyfriend's brother and a police officer called mid-interview and told him not to speak with police. The next day, the brother named Nick was called to testify in front of a grand jury, which led police to suspect he also had involvement in the disappearance. It is at that same time that Nick stopped cooperating with the sheriff's office. However, he did agree to do a polygraph test after being interviewed by the state police. Nick finally took the polygraph on July 20th. 20th after being contacted by the FBI, so it definitely took a lot to get him to do it. So the person who did the test expressed uh, a lot of concern about the results. So on October 16, 2015, Nick was fired from the police department and the boyfriend was officially named a suspect in the case. Despite multiple search efforts and a $100,000 reward being offered for any information, she still does remain missing. On the morning of November 19, 2016, this was 16 months after her disappearance, her 54-year-old father, Tommy, was shot to death. He had been hunting on his private property when his 12-year-old grandson, um, with his 12-year-old grandson. He had been shot once in the chest. Police have cleared the grandson of foul play and also have ruled out suicide as Tommy's gun was never fired. 
the FBI have conducted two searches. Uh, the first was in August of 2020 and the second was in August of 2021. And to this day, there is still no information on her disappearance. That wraps up today's episode of Crimes by State for Iowa and Kentucky. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next Sunday for more Sunday Scaries by Expresso Crime. Bye for now.